It's a whirlwind of an episode today as we follow two major stories. First, Rose and Dorothy may have had a close encounter of the UFO kind. Then we follow Blanche on her quest to mark Ham Lushbaum off of her lover's list. Will the girls get confirmation that they saw aliens? Will Blanche and Ham make a naughty sandwich? We'll find out all of that and more in today's episode, The One That Got Away. Thank you for the friendship. We've come so far and traveled wide. Oh, you're my best friends. I could never lie. I love when we party, dance, and sing. And laugh just doing our things. No matter the misters that come and go. It's a dark evening when we find Rose in a teal greenish sweatsuit, Dorothy with styled hair, a white half turtleneck shirt covered with a red sweater. Well, not vest, but more like a sweater t-shirt. And Sophia in a salmon pink with floral print dress and green cardigan. And they're all sitting around the table on the lanai playing poker. As they ante up, Sophia happily raises the bet, then tries to distract Rose by telling her her shoe is untied. But the joke's on her, Rose is wearing pumps. But the joke's on Rose. Her pump is untied. Looks like a pump. It feels like a sneaker. Looks like a pump. Feels like a sneaker. New shockproof, painproof, Easy Spirit dress pumps with the same insides as the Easy Spirit sneakers. Looks like a pump. It feels like a sneaker. Where can I get them? At Nordstrom. As Rose sits back up after looking down at her shoe, she realizes Sophia was trying to dupe her which she tries to play off, but she's soon distracted by yet another Sophia ploy. Their neighbor is walking past his window, and he's nude. Well, of course, neither Rose nor Dorothy can ignore, leaving Sophia unattended at the table where she's sneaking a peek at everyone else's cards. She claims, because she is my own grandmother, that she's in her 80s and she can do as she pleases, whether it be cheating at cards or stealing money out of Dorothy's purse. Realizing that she's outed herself, Sophia fakes hearing a phone ringing and runs inside. Impressed at her ability to know when cheating was going on, Dorothy knew it was a hoax when Sophia said that Mr. Feinbaum was naked. He's never naked. He always has at least a neckerchief from his Boy Scout days, and it isn't always on his neck. That habit of his is why he's a single man, according to Dorothy. I always knew my Grammy was cheating at Yahtzee because we were playing Yahtzee. Therefore, she was cheating. Her go-to was to not mark down a crappy score. So always at the end of her game, we would be like, okay, last turn, this is it. And she would feign shock as she looked over her scorecard and would react, oh my lord, y'all are done? Why, I still have five rolls left. How did that happen? It must have been when I got up to get a drink. Right. Was that your mean granny? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But she always... Always. She would just not mark it. If it was a scratch or if it took away her bonus, she just wouldn't write it down. (laughs) Did that upset anybody? No, it was like Sophia. We all just knew she was going to do it. No one ever called her out on it. I mean, we would joke with her. We'd be like, oh, yeah, weird. It's weird how that happened. 
She's a dirt bag. <laughs> <laughs> Granny imparting some important lessons early That's and right. often. That's right. Board games are worth cheating at. <laughs> well, not dice games. I'm sorry. Yes, Family a dice games. game. A very serious dice game. Lord, Grandma. Well, you didn't pick that trade up or any. What do you have? What are you of her? What? <laughs> what are you of her? Like what parts of me come yeah. from her? Like what what aspects of your personality do you see that are like her? Big old No, that's Grimmere. That's the other side. Ah, lovely. Um, lovely woman. I would say the loudness and the loud laugh and the loud clothes and wanting to be busy and doing things and happy to go to the casino and go to the buffet and go do all that. Um, and I would say I mastered, I took control of the raging pettiness inside of me, but I get that from her. <laughs> so while inside something might happen to me and I'm like coming up with a devious plan that would truly destroy someone, I don't act on it. But I think those thoughts are from her, <laughs> if I had to guess. <laughs> Quite a eulogy. <laughs> Peace what'd, out, Grandma. What'd you get from your mean grandma? Hmm. I mean, really over time, it I was just like hundreds of times being around her, I was just like confirmed over and over again that Diet 7 Up tastes like crap. <laughs> it's awful. Because that's all she drank. All she drank. Diet cherry, diet regular seven up, and <laughs> Kern's nectar. That was all we had. And water. With with freezer ice that tasted like whatever <laughs> soup she made last month. That was the tangiest ice. And it's well, that's well, for listeners, this is obviously a runner. We yeah. talked about ice last week. <laughs> Fridge ice, baby. Thanks, grandma. It tastes like a bundagas soup. <laughs> a bundagas. Um, what else? Oh, she, you know, she, she really liked movies. She liked going to the movies quite a lot. And we did that a lot. Oh, that's fun. So that was nice. Yeah, those are those are good memories. I saw <laughs> I saw Unforgiven with her for the first time wow. when I was 12. <sighs> and I hated it. Really? But now it's one of my favorite movies. I was 12. That's that's yeah, not a that's movie not. for 12. You're like I don't understand the drama here. I didn't I definitely didn't. So my grandma was mean. Being full stop. <laughs> As Rose and Dorothy start dealing out their new hand, a sudden bolt of light and sound zooms overhead. And we're not talking lightning. Rose nearly falls out of her chair watching the object fly across the sky. Dorothy is also watching, but not with as much amazement. Without hesitating, Rose is certain that she just saw a UFO, or Unidentified Flying Object, or UAP, Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon, which was the original title of WAP. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Get it? Bring a bucket and a mop for this unidentified aerial phenomenon. <laughs> it just doesn't work the same. I'm just being a little goose. Quack, quack. When Dorothy assures Rose that they had simply seen an airplane, Rose pushes back that planes don't fly over residential neighborhoods. Now, I can't find anything about that being a law back in the 80s. But for one, that seems impossible to avoid. And two, tell that to the airplanes that are constantly interrupting our recordings. Fun fact from Reader's Digest, both Disneyland and Disney World are, as of 2003, no-fly zones. 
Sure, that makes sense as they are not only culturally significant, but densely crowded places. But Disney was stoked because up to the 1990s, small planes would fly overhead with advertisements for everything from religions to other theme parks. Dorothy argues that, yeah, if planes can't fly over neighborhoods, then neither can aliens. As alien abduction claims started to grow in popularity in the 1980s, they did tend to come from situations she then describes. You know, Kentucky boys named Cooley are the ones that see UFOs, usually when they're in the middle of a field and out of gas. Most folk will never lose a dough when they begin some vocal, like cleaners, the slack jawed yokel. Hey, you know what? I could call my ma while I'm up here. Hey, ma! Get off the dang roof! Concerned, Rose suggests that they call, well, someone about it. Dorothy continues to find those fears unfounded, and she certainly doesn't think that they're out scouting for new coolies to take aboard. But in case they are, she'll pack Rose's bag so she can be on her way. Uh, did you look up the word coolie? No. Well. What'd you find? Well, I think it's racist. Oh, no. Yeah, I don't know if, I mean, I don't know. Please share with the listeners. Okay, what did so you I'm find? On, I'm on Wikipedia because it was the first thing that came up. And it okay. says, coolie is an offensive term used for low-wage laborers, typically of South Asian or East Asian <sighs> descent. So I don't know. I, that The word that they're saying, coolie and Kentucky, makes me think that it might be That's like a name. That's just like a Southern name? I, I, oh. But still, it might be. Well, because when you think about, like, if I think in my head of the 80s and 90s and, like, the UFO people, and that's not to discount people that have seen that. I'm saying, like, people on Inside Edition, it was, like, country bumpkins. Like Randy Quaid in Independence Day. Or everyone in the movie <laughs> Fire in the Sky. Right. So I took it as, like, that type of guy because she was like you know, he's in overalls and stuff but that is interesting that that word is used that way now yeah. we know so it just said yeah it has negative connotations to unskilled or unintelligent uh, workers i believe interesting well now we've got uh an oh boy going on there so we won't uh reference cooley anymore good to know as Dorothy strolls back into the house, showing off that her red sweater vest is more of a red sweater wrap, we get yet another of my very favorite moments from Blanche, who is sitting on the couch in an all-dark taupe ensemble, snacking on cookies and looking at a yearbook while delicately sighing. As Dorothy gets a magazine and takes a seat next to Blanche, the noises only increase in attention-seeking. From a sigh to a giggle to a full-on 1950s pinup model <gasps> sound. It's clear that she is desperate for Dorothy to acknowledge her and to ask her what's going on. Before she can bring herself to do so, Dorothy looks over to her mother, who has probably been ignoring the noises for quite some time, as she continues to knit in the side chair, wearing a pink floral dress and bright green cardigan. They exchange looks of, well, one of us has to do it. As the sing-song sounds drone on, Dorothy gives in and asks Blanche if she's in a good mood. Blanche appreciates that her friend can always see right through her, or in this case, see through the BS. But Sophia ruins the moment with some body shaming, saying that if Blanche continues to eat so many cookies, even Superman, who had x-ray vision, wouldn't be able to see through her. Oh boy. 
Side note, if you ever want to do a deep dive into the logistics of Superman's superpower, there is a very thorough article on Forbes.com called The Optics of Superman's X-Ray Vision. We now return to Superman 5, The Broken Condom. Hey, Lois, ready to go to dinner? Yeah, sure. Just let me grab my purse. Okay, ready. Ooh, on second thought, I got something I gotta do back on Krypton. I thought Krypton was destroyed. I think we should see other people. After the rude remark, Blanche gets back to her exciting story. A boy she went to college with, Ham Lushbau, had called her early in the day to share that he would be in town and would love to see her as he's now single. Recalling how smart, sexy, and charming Ham was back in the day, Blanche bumped her current date, some loser who needs a kidney transplant, who did actually move his surgery so he could go with her to the ball on Saturday, and invited Ham instead. Do we ever get an update on that man? Oh my gosh, that's a great question. Did he, did he survive? I don't think we do. Well, you know, no news is bad news. <laughs> <laughs> And it just goes to show you how deep Blanche's coldness can go. I mean, you've had a sister that needed a kidney. You'd think she would be more understanding and empathetic. Neither of those things interest Blanche, though. A large part of Blanche's adoration for him came from the fact that her sister Virginia was into him, too. They were each vying for his attention as he was the big man on campus. He won a championship with the debate team. He was a star on the football team. He was even the class valedictorian. Even though Blanche tried her darndest to get with Ham, they never actually hooked up. She did ask him out in their senior year during the homecoming football game. When she asked him if he would want to spend time together that evening, he said the one thing you don't tell Blanche Devereaux, maybe some other time. And with the flood of that memory, Blanche's tune went from, oh, <laughs> to, do you believe he said that? With a slamming of her yearbook and crumpling of the cookie bag. I don't know how big the school's band was, but spelling out the 25 letters of maybe some other time Blanche must have been quite the undertaking. Unless, of course, this is just another moment of Blanche's southern hyperbole rearing its ugly head. Now it's all clear why Blanche was so giddy. It's not just that the hunk from school wants to take her out. It's that it's the only man who ever turned her down and he's showing up for the date. She can finally check his box and he can do the same. Spicy. After Blanche storms off to her room, the Petrillo ladies have a moment to themselves where Sophia shares that she was in a similar situation with Fabrizio Rabino. Back in Sicily, the two nearly started a passionate love affair. That was until Destiny, Destiny Rabino, his wife, pulled him away by the hair on his back, hit him with a ravioli maker, and put his body, unclear if he was alive or not, into the river. There's just so many funny, the, grabbing him by the back hair is yeah, hilarious. Yeah, so that's gross. so funny. It's so sick. It's a new night and we're back on the lanai where we find Rose and the largest flashlight to have ever been made. Coco, we had, I think we had to pause it because you were so distraught at the flashlight size. It would look huge in Andre the Giant's hands. <laughs> Both true. hands. Back in the 80s, when Andre the Giant used to go to the Playboy Mansion, he'd stack five playmates on top of each other on a bed and finger them all, five at a time, because his hands were so big. So, that's it. Thanks, Grandpa. It's like truly three feet long. The girth of the battery part is many inches. And it's not really putting out as much 
light as you'd think from something no. that huge. A bazooka-sized <laughs> flashlight. Is that real? Is but that the a light thing you was on? There? I mean, but, but was it made on this, you know, by the whoever? The Why would they do market? that, though? I bet somebody went to a hardware store and they were like, hey, we need a flashlight for this week's episode. Somebody went to the store to go get it. And they saw that in the aisle and they were like, I have to get this ridiculously sized flashlight. Even if I get yelled at. Even if I lose my job, this has to happen. <laughs> and it made it on the show. I mean, <laughs> if anyone knows of these flashlights, Gmail us. Oh, different. Is, it was a different time. It wasn't that. They didn't, did they not have LED technology in they 1987? Did <laughs> when did those start? A couple years ago. I'll find out and I'll get back to you throughout in this episode. As Rose sits on a lounge chair in a blue with polka dot polo shirt and green cardigan, she's using the flashing of the light to send a signal up to space via the reflection of a pie pan, a trick she learned in the St. Olaf time, which was a newspaper, not the actual time of the city. Uh-oh. We've had LEDs since 1962. Oh, is that true? It was just like getting it refined to where it could be mass produced and in everyone's everything. The uh, developed by the General Electric Company. Wow. Dorothy in her long yellow nightdress has had it with Rose's new obsession. She refuses to believe they encountered a UFO. But Rose argues airplanes aren't that bright or that thin. Then with a big oh boy, Dorothy callously says that Oprah Winfrey is neither that bright nor thin. But that doesn't mean that she's a UFO. Oh, boy. There are still generations of people, older people, who were born and bred and marinated in it, in that prejudice and racism, and they just have to die. I think my boobies just jumped up out of my thing. It's what I really feel deeply from you and profoundly, that you just don't have head intelligence. Some of the lines on Golden Girls can be so cruel, but they kind of serve as a nice reminder as to just how far we've come with talking about bodies and other societal issues in just 30 years. So there's hope. Like if someone made that joke on a sitcom now, they would be like there would be outrage. That would probably be the end of that show. Yeah. Or at least the showrunner would get like kicked off. Yeah. There are better jokes. It takes a little bit more work, but there are better jokes to be made than about someone's body or intelligence. That's all. I guess they kind, of, they kind of start off stating their intention. They start with a fat joke before we even get to ham, right? Oh, that's true. It kind of sets the tone of like, yeah. this is we're what feeling we... <laughs> nasty today. Yeah. Let's just take the person at face value and then let them reveal themselves to be a, a snake or some sort of villain. <laughs> like they all are. And then they can look worse to us because <laughs> now we don't like them. That's and we right. know there's evil in their heart. That's right. Ham is a beautiful man. <laughs> That's if he right. was more of a jerk or a racist or something. He would not be. He would not be. His his jolly little face That's true. would be um well hateable <laughs> instead of kissable. As the crowd continues to react to the Oprah burn, Rose once again defends her opinion. The only thing that they do know is that they don't know what they saw. Neither does Major Barker, the man Rose had a conversation with down at the military base while on her quest for answers. After hearing her report, they agreed that they would look into it. So while Rose anxiously awaits further interviews or an investigation, Dorothy is horrified that Rose's story will leak to the tabloids and be featured on a headline next to a woman giving birth to a baby that looks just like the leader of Johnny Carson's Tonight Show band, Doc Severinsen. 
Making it about her, Dorothy is worried it'll be her name splashed across the papers, leaving Rose confused as to how or why it would be Dorothy's story. Before they can continue their made-up argument, a stunning and overly bouncy Blanche has appeared, seeking approval of her outfit. If I were sitting there, I would say, Blanche, this black velvet long-sleeved dress with a white tulle wrap on your shoulders with a white draping down the front is stunning, but please lose that weirdly misplaced baby pink rose at your cleavage. This would be an Oscar dress if it weren't for that. Unafraid to ask for the exact validation she needs, Blanche starts running down a list of adjectives she needs the girls to say. Sure, she looks nice, but what about stunning? Gorgeous, amazing, titillating, beautiful, spectacular. While Rose agrees to all of those, Dorothy is hoping to save some time before going through the thesaurus, so she wraps it up in a pretty bow, saying no woman on earth has ever looked as good as Blanche looks right now, nor will anyone ever. With her cup full after those words of affirmation, Blanche is pleased. Well, with Dorothy at least. Rose, not so much. Is it that hard to just give a compliment? Knocking the air out of Blanche's perky bosoms is the doorbell. It is time to see Ham. The ladies all scamper back into the house. Blanche double-checks her makeup while Dorothy tries to calm her down. But there's nothing to be calm about. This was the man that got away before. She can't let it happen again. With a point of go to pink nightgown-wearing Sophia, the door is opened. On the other side is Ham. He no longer has his hair and he has gained some weight, so hold on to your butts for all of the oh boys that are coming our way. With a deep breath and even deeper blink, Blanche takes all of Ham in. Sophia, right next to him, tells her that he couldn't slip through her fingers at this point, even with the assistance of a shoehorn. Paying no mind to the rude comments, Ham has the biggest grin while looking at Blanche. Not sure what to say, Blanche gives him the grandma comment of, well, just look at you, to which Sophia replies, what else can we look at? He's covering all the pictures on the wall. Now Ham, wearing a tuxedo, is a larger man, but sheesh, he just looks like a tall dude that maybe played football in high school and then gained a beer belly. You know, I always wonder how these casting calls are made. Like, did they know this guy specifically as an actor and they wanted him? Or did they really post something that said, like, big fat guy to play laughed at and bullied fat guy? And then people are like, sign me up. It's possible the casting team already knew of John Harkins playing Ham. He had a career on stage and screen earning 77 credits. They included, but were not limited to, Picket Fences, Matlock, Dallas, Murder, She Wrote, Cagney and Lacey, Moonlighting, Taxi, All in the Family, Tarantulas, The Deadly Cargo, Beretta, The Mary Tyler Moore Show, Phyllis, Dark Shadows, The Crucible, La La, and Coco's favorite, Amityville 3D. That's a bad movie. Yes. That will make you feel kind of sick, sick. to watch it. <laughs> but in, I, I don't remember his scene, but it will definitely there will definitely be a clip of it. You said he falls through a floor and screams? Yes. Oh, he's the one that gets killed by the flies. Oh, my God. But that... he also falls through the floor. Terrific. I don't know if that's like... He um... flies, he falls. <laughs> I guess this is what's supposed to be the gateway to hell. It looks convincing to me.
did you see who is in this movie? Meg Ryan and Lori Loughlin. Wow. Lori Loughlin, the criminal. <laughs> the, the felon. <laughs> <laughs> the ex-con. As Dorothy gives her mother a death stare, Ham points out the obvious, that he is bigger than back in the day. Breaking the tension, Dorothy introduces herself, then Sophia, then Rose. Bringing her own small talk to the table, Rose asks if Ham is short for anything. Sophia, who apparently isn't scared of getting smacked, guesses that it's, oh boy, short for ham and potatoes. The couple make their way out of the door and Dorothy sends them off with hope for a good night. Rose hopes to see more of ham, a comment that forces Dorothy to put her hand over her mother's mouth to retain peace. With the two gone, Rose can't help but comment on how different ham looked than from his pictures. But it's normal for people, especially when they're hot stuff in high school and college, to lose their looks. It's called peaking, sweetie. Except that never happened in Italy. Once you were deemed beautiful in Sicily, you stayed that way. Mostly because if you're considered a beauty, the townspeople would make it their business to make sure you stayed that way via healthy eating and exercise. That's why when Dorothy was born, Sophia was so grateful because she wouldn't be bothered by all of the townspeople worried about her lifelong looks. I guess they also did that in Brooklyn? Getting back to her UFO hunting, Rose heads to the lanai. Left alone, Dorothy is now responsible for answering the door after the bell rings. When she does, she finds Major Barker, who is there to speak with Rose. Wow, these guys work fast when it's alien-related. Playing the Major is Tom Dahlgren, who you may have seen on 7th Heaven, The X-Files, What Lies Beneath, Seinfeld, Dr. Quinn, ER, The Larry Sanders Show, The Bold and the Beautiful, Falcon Crest, Dallas, Highway to Heaven, The Black Stallion, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, The Godfather Part Two, and don't you know it, la la. Having the Major sit on the couch, Dorothy says she'll go grab Rose. She also tells him that Rose is alone in her quest for extraterrestrial life. The Major says he understands, but is quite stoic about it all. Going through his paperwork, Major Barker says Ms. Bornack, before clarifying, it is Ms., right? Hearing his question as a come-on, Dorothy, still in her long yellow nightgown, has found that her feet have wings as she flounces back into the living room, hoping to learn more about Mr. Barker. And what she learns is that he was not flirting. He was verifying his paperwork, which was marked as Ms. Talk about a deflating moment. Wanting to get through the questioning with Dorothy first, M.B. gets to it. Was the object cylindrical or triangular? Triangular. It was blue. It left a faint trail of yellow exhaust. With all of that, Major Barker confirms. What they saw was, in fact, an unidentified flying object. Later in the evening, Blanche's giggle is back as she and Ham arrive home from the banquet. Or a fundraiser? Ball? These real housewives always have so many events to go to. Aloha, bitches! If there's one thing Jen Shaw's good at, it is going through hell and then setting it aside and showing up ready to party. Let's focus on having some fun. At the door, the two celebrate their lovely evening of storytelling, dancing, laughing at jokes. For Blanche, it made her feel like they were back in time, 30 years ago, actually. But if she hadn't seen him since college, she would only be 48 years old. Did she wait to go to school? Or is she just doing some Blanche math for her age? <laughs> Bringing Ham into the home for a nightcap, the two take a seat on the couch. There, Ham shares that before they met up, he was so nervous as to whether or not they would have a good time. Those feelings were coming from his own insecurities. He couldn't help but wonder about how Blanche would perceive him now that he was larger and bald. 
If she still looked as good as college days, he would be in trouble. But luckily, she doesn't look as good as those days. His pause causes her to ask with a shocked, What? That isn't that different from Nicole Byer on Nailed It calling for, Quess? 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 After the agonizing pause, Ham corrects himself. She looks better than back in the day. As Blanche feigns shock and delight, she can't help but to agree with him that her body and face are pretty amazing. As Ham excuses himself to get back to his hotel, Blanche alludes he should stay. When she makes it very clear by using the same thought you might like some company tonight line, Ham does the same. And while he didn't have a marching band this time, he uses his line, maybe some other time, Blanche. As Ham excuses himself, Blanche is nearly knocked over by the rejection. It's the following night, maybe, and we find Dorothy and Rose again on the lanai. This time, Dorothy, in a white nightgown and matching blue robe, is using binoculars to look up at the stars as Rose, in her pink robe, looks on. After getting the confirmation that they had seen a UFO, Dorothy is looking at space and her own existence differently. Rose feels the same. For Rose, she hopes that if the aliens did interact with them, it would be like the 1985 Steve Gutenberg classic, Cocoon, and she would be taken to a wonderful world where she would never age. Fun fact, Wilford Diabetes Brimley was also in the film. While his co-stars were in their 70s, he was only 49 and playing an old man. Some celebs that could play that role if they were hired for their age? Pharrell Williams, Patrick Wilson, Jude Law, Mario Lopez, and my hunk of hunks, James Marston. <laughs> that is hilarious. Could you imagine James Holy Marston? Holy crap. <laughs> Being old? It's amazing what some glasses and facial hair will do. Well, people were just old, different That's back true. in the day, I think. It's true. It was a different game. Wilfred Brimley was only six years older than me when he made it. <laughs> I'm not, like, I'm not yeah. the youngest person. Per, youngest person? I'm not the youngest looking person in the world. But it would be upsetting to see you in an old folks home. I mean, for uh, hopefully for a lot of reasons. <laughs> if, I'm a, if I'm a resident, it's troubling. And if I'm just kind of lurking around, <laughs> it's probably worse. <laughs> Dorothy feels differently. She isn't seeking an escape. Sure, her life is simple. She's just a teacher. Well, a substitute teacher. A divorced substitute teacher. A divorced substitute teacher who doesn't have the income to live on her own. You know, now that she thinks about it, she's ready to be beamed up and taken away. When Dorothy references being abducted, Rose realizes that she's on her side now. That's when Dorothy drops the bomb. She spoke with the major and they confirmed it was a UFO. After Rose picks her jaw up off the floor, she follows Dorothy into the house, then into the kitchen. They need to be outside so they can be taken away. Also, I just realized in this moment, so that major came to the house to talk to Rose about the report that she made, and then he only talked to Dorothy and then was like, bye, why didn't he do his job? That's the government for you. That's right. That's an investigator. Takes some 20 years to fill a pothole. <laughs> On my street, my cul-de-sac. <laughs> yeah, I got to call a pizza company to fill in my potholes when pot is legal and it's supposed to be paying you money to fill all those potholes? Are you kidding me? Where does it all go? We should have roads of honestly, gold. Because honestly, we spend our disposable income. Which is not much. <laughs> it's really not. on. That's like a majority of what we yeah. leisure with. We should have amazing roads. That's what we leisure with. <laughs> 
But Dorothy doesn't care. She's fine to miss out on their passing overhead. Rose is amazed that there really could be other beings that we share the universe with, beings that could teach us the ways of the galaxy, beings that could help us eradicate illnesses, beings that could help come up with good storylines for alien life form, or as we know and love him, Alf. Gordon Sumner. That's right. The one and only. Sting himself. (laughs) Wait, Shemway. It's Gordon Shemway. (laughs) That's right. Gordy, you inappropriate weirdo. Yeah, you creep. The guy with his hand inside Alf. (sighs) Yeah, that guy was a creep. He's Alf the way up there. Ah! That sort of sounds nice to Dorothy, but being the pessimist, She believes there's an equal possibility that they aren't going to be helpful doctors, but rather tentacled monsters seeking blood. The knowledge that something is out there, but the lack of knowledge as to what it is, has Dorothy in a tizzy. It's as thrilling as it is terrifying. Besides, no matter what they feel or think about it, the two are not to speak of their experience to any other person whatsoever until they hear back from the major. So, of course, Q. Blanche strutting in in her teal satin nightgown and a new season four purple robe. Ooh, it's flashy. It might be satin. It's covered with purple stripes and groovy flowers of blue and yellow. It's quite fun. When asked what they are talking about, Rose assures Blanche that it certainly wasn't aliens, earning her a sarcastic OK signal from Dorothy. So preoccupied with her own drama, Blanche doesn't flinch at Rose and begins her own tale of love and loss. As she starts to explain how it was the most embarrassing night of her life, a yellow-robed Sophia joins the convo. Then Blanche shares the bad news. Once again, she was turned down by Ham Lushbow. Dorothy can't understand all of the emotion behind the incident as Blanche has told her that she wasn't into his new look, but that isn't what she's upset about. It's not about if she wants the guy or not. It's the fact that he doesn't want her. And if she isn't sexy and seductive, then what is she? And if she can't get this one man, there must be something wrong with her. Especially if that one man, well, looks like he does. Sheesh. Determined, Blanche has decided that she will ask him out one last time while he's still in town. And no matter what she has to say or do, she will not rest until Ham has begged to go sleep with her which, according to Sophia, was the original ending of Gone with the Wind. Leaving me? But what will I do? What will become of me? Frankly, my dear, I don't get... What did he say? He said, frankly, my dear, I don't get... (laughs) Makes sense to me. What am I going to do? Too bad they ended up going with Rhett leaving Scarlet while she went home to her family. So what if he dumped her? She will not be defeated. Oh, now I see where Blanche gets it. Ooh, new location alert. This time it's Silvero. Solero? Some sort of nice restaurant of which I cannot find the existence of because I cannot read the cursive on the signage. Inside, Blanche and Ham are wrapping up their very fancy dinner. There are huge candle holders on the wall, a champagne holder next to the table, a too-large-for-a-small-table candle, a flower arrangement, and a mauve tablecloth. As Ham, in his suit, compliments Blanche in a black dress with bright magenta jacket on their dinner, she plays it off. Of course she was happy to take him to dinner. Slipping into a baby voice, she tells him that she would do anything to have him relaxed before he goes back to his 
busy, stressful job. What is that job exactly? Well, he runs a miniature golf course. While that sounds like it's all fun and games, running a small business is not a hole-in-one. You have to putter along, trying to earn that green. Balls. <laughs> the waiter arrives with the champagne, which starts Blanche on a tangent of how horny champagne makes her. Why, just the thought of it about to be on the table makes her eyes and heart flutter. She insists Ham feels her, um, heart, knowing that it's racing. As she guides his hand down her cleavage, her storytelling gets a little more to the point. While he touches her, she can feel the wild animal inside that is just aching to be lustfully released. <laughs> Speaking of release, Walter the waiter is still <clears throat> twirling that cork when it finally pops. Have you ever felt aroused by food <sighs> or drink? No. All right. I don't think so. What about you? Clam chowder in a bread bowl. <laughs> Walter the Waiter is played by Nick Toth, who has had a very busy career, appearing in Mom, Family Guy, Parks and Rec, Desperate Housewives, Six Feet Under, The Bernie Mac Show, Passions, Mad About You, Ellen, The Secret World of Alex Mack, The American President, Evening Shade with Mr. Burt Reynolds, The Golden Palace, Doogie Howser, Beverly Hills 90210, Roseanne, Coach, My Two Dads, Married with Children, Charles in Charge, A Very Brady Christmas, Night Court, Newhart, Highway to Heaven, Stripes, and of course, <sighs> Lala. As the champagne is poured, Blanche continues with her, well, not dirty talk, but like Harlequin romance talk. She begs Ham to put out her fire with his kisses and to bite her juicy fruit, so on and so forth. Unable to take it anymore, Walter helps himself to a chug of the champagne he just poured before taking a little break. Finally, Blanche lays it all out. I want you, Ham, and I want you to want me, so let's want and then have each other. Which is met with, maybe some other time, Blanche. Before Blanche can barf her dinner up on the table, she stands up, both literally and figuratively, to Ham. She will not waste her time with a man who not only doesn't want her, but continues to embarrass her in such a public way. So for the entire restaurant to hear, she claims that while he doesn't want her, she will find a man who does. As she storms out, a line of waiters, chefs, and men who will soon be getting divorced follow her out. Coming in the front door, Blanche's face has dropped in defeat. But once she sees Sophia in her teal robe reading a paper, and Dorothy in gray pants and a gray sweater both on the couch, she puts on a smile. How was dinner? Why, it was perfect, and he was officially seduced. Before Blanche can go into any more detail, Ham is at the door. Blocking him from the girls, Blanche shouts out that he's a sex-hungry devil, Dorothy and Sophia are happy to listen in. That is until Ham says he has to explain why he keeps rebuffing Blanche's advances. Excusing herself, Dorothy tries to get Sophia to join her to go watch some television, but Sophia knows this will be too good of a show to miss. With the truth already out, Blanche cares not if there's an audience. Ham explains, They had been having such a great time with each other, he didn't want to mess it up like they did back in the old days. Mess it up like back then? Blanche is confused. 
So Ham explains. Remember, springtime, we went to Grady's Motor Lodge. Your hair was braided. You wore a pink bathrobe with matching slippers. He'll never forget it. The pink robe answers all of Blanche's questions. Why, that had to have been her sister Virginia, not Blanche. Taking a moment to recall his conquests of days past, Ham remembers. It was Virginia, and she was the worst sex of his life. Also, doesn't that say a lot about Ham's... um? I guess, memory skills that he can remember matching slippers in a robe, but not a face or a name. He was interested in, you know, (laughs) the face down there. (laughs) Putting the pieces together, Blanche realizes that because Ham thought she was trash in the sheets, that was the only reason he had been refusing to sleep with her again, according to his memory. So they actually hadn't been together ever. This news has Blanche tickled more pink than her jacket. Not only did she get the dirt about her sister, but now Ham is begging for those things she breathed at him at the restaurant. Knowing that there was no longer a man who had rejected her, Blanche is feeling much better and doesn't have to sleep with him to prove the point. But to lessen the blow of rejection, she simply states that the moment of passion has passed and that the heat she was feeling for him 20 minutes ago could never be recreated. Even when Blanche is honest about the fact that she didn't even like him that much and that she just wanted to sexually conquer him, he's still all for it. Besides, now they can leave on a friendly note and still have their fond memories of each other. Memories Ham would gladly dispose of if it meant he could get a quickie with Blanche. It has always bothered me not only that she tells her friend to beat it while calling him Tubbo. This was a perfect opportunity for her to say, maybe some other time, Ham. Delighted, Blanche wonders what her sister's reaction would be to such news, so she excuses herself to go find out firsthand. While Sophia doesn't know about the UFO sighting, she shares with Dorothy about the report she's reading in the paper and how it was discovered that the military flew a new jet in the wrong path and it went right over Miami, explaining the U part of the UFO. Finding Rose dressed in all pink pajamas, maybe a cute sweatsuit. Out on the lanai, Dorothy breaks the news to her. Out on the lanai, Dorothy breaks the news to her. But Rose already heard. Yeah, yeah, it was a secret bomber. When Dorothy apologizes, Rose isn't concerned with it. Okay, so what we saw was not what we thought. But she wonders, does that mean we just don't look for aliens? Pessimistic Dorothy strikes again. What harm would there be in Rose gazing at the night sky, hoping to see something unusual or exciting? But Dorothy's like, no, there will be no more looking in the sky. However, it is a nice night, so she gives permission for them to rest in the lounge chairs. Curious, Rose asks Dorothy if she's a believer. Besides, what's the harm in it? It makes things more fun, more mysterious. For Rose, believing in aliens is the same as believing in Santa, and that was always fun. In fact, the best Christmas she ever had was when all of the Lindstrom children, all eight of them, believed in Santa Claus. And heck, that was like 10 years ago. Rose's long-winded question and response to herself about believing in the strange, supernatural, or unknown has put Dorothy to sleep. Then, Rose looks back up to the sky. A myriad of colorful lights shine down on her before zooming away. Hollering out for Dorothy didn't wake her, So Rose just slinks back into her chair, keeping the secret to herself. There would be no point in trying to make Dorothy believe, so she should just enjoy the experience on her own. 
Rose isn't alone in her sightings. According to Stacker.com, the first documented image of a UFO was all the way back in 1870 in New Hampshire at the summit of Mount Washington. A poll in 1991 showed that 4 million Americans believed that they had been abducted by aliens. Coco, what are your thoughts on aliens and or UFOs? I think that there might I think that there's UFOs and that those UFOs might contain intelligence and some purpose for being here. There's so many of them seen. What the heck? What yeah. are those things? You saw that stuff the government like released? Mm-hmm. That's just the stuff they let us see. Yeah. And that was bonkers. Yeah. Those little tubes and things <laughs> flying around, little lights. Come on down, guys, and just destroy us, please. <laughs> we messed up. I mean, I think we're fairly advanced mm-hmm. compared to what? slugs. Okay. I guess. Okay. We will definitely. And we're trying, and we've found galaxies that are like bajillions of miles away, and we're like, oh, actually, everything's even bigger than we thought, and there's like so many universes and galaxies and whatever. I hope there is. Which is so overwhelming. I can't even think about it. But we haven't found anything. We've been to other planets and we haven't found like, oh, look, at least this like bacteria life or this insect life or variation thereof. Some sort of slime that can Something, hear you. Yeah. Creatures or aliens are looking and they just haven't found us yet. Or they have and they're like, no, thank you. They're like poisoning everything. Yeah, I would think Get they'd away see from us there. probably more like bugs. Yeah, I think if some if there are creatures that are intelligent enough to create craft and to fly to us in time that they wouldn't perish, uh, they would have to look at us and just laugh and be like, maybe they fly by just to like the way people watch Jerry Springer. <laughs> like, at least that's not me. <laughs> they come by and they're like, look at these people. They're shooting each other constantly. It takes five million light years to get there, but it is worth it. It's worth it. So funny. They're just never not shooting each other, and they're actually poisoning themselves to where they won't have anywhere to live, and they're all like, okay with it. Oh, my God. It's hilarious. There's a continent made out of garbage. Could you imagine? What if there was an animal in a zoo, and they were like, oh, these creatures are And they were like us? Yeah. It'd be awful. No, not like humans, but just like behavior. Yeah. Oh, I guess that's what I meant. Like that they they don't clean up after themselves. They ruin their own environment. They're creating poison. Yeah. <laughs> they are attacking each other. Like they would be considered like uh, something would have to be done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All these zoo animals are. So fighting I think over. that's how aliens, if they are around, I think that's how they see us. I don't think they want to fight us, and I don't think they want to help us, and I don't think they want to bring anything to us. Just not interested. They're just like you're bad. You guys got twenty years tops. That's There's nothing. no way that we are the top thing no and i don't think we're alone there's too much space i mean this body it's like wrong (laughs) (laughs) i know i love that just inside i mean not the outside the outside's gorgeous (laughs) oh actually that's a great transition because uh i was gonna ask you you know you had some thoughts as someone who used to be a much bigger boy I was. Yeah, I was about 100 pounds heavier than I am right now. And you made a really good point about what was being seen on television, which then led into what you dealt with in your real life. Yeah. And this it was just specifically about someone's weight and appearance. But 
you know, I mean, it was, it's just like all representation on TV back then, I'm sure for, well, anyone who looks different than like a white person, like a regular, like skinny white person, all that representation for everybody was awful. But yeah, just noticing it in this, it was just like, damn, like that's how it like, that's primetime TV. And Everyone's she's like watching the sweet that. grandmother. Yeah. And it's like, it's, they, they give license to that. It is okay to laugh yeah. at someone because of that appearance. Uh, yeah. So it was, I, I, I could see how uh, people like my PE teacher in seventh grade made, would make fun of me for being fat. Mm. He called me Big Mac oh. because of my last name, but it was just like, that was normal. Right. And it wasn't okay to be fat. Right. Nor was that helpful as a PE teacher who should be concerned with health. Honestly, if, it should if, be like, is there something going on in your life that's traumatic that's causing you to eat your feelings? Oh, yeah, I know. And yeah, that too. Yeah. Uh, at least for me, that's those those things that gaining weight and, and things like that were uh, a symptom of something that needed to be helped. <laughs> they never treat anybody like that. They're just like, oh, you're fat. You're yeah. a slob. You're, you know, you're whatever this and that. So you're, yeah, it's just... you're gross and lazy instead of, so what's going on? Yeah. Or, or Why? that they're fine with the way they are. They're happy with how they yeah. are. It's never that. Yeah. But it's interesting. I think that's a good point of, it's not so much to censor jokes or, uh, to say this isn't cool to make fun of, but you can find ways to make jokes that don't end up hurting people because that really gives license like you said, for your teacher to say that, for other kids to say that, because, well, the cute grandma that everyone loves is talking like that. So it must be okay for me. And it's not. And it's not done in a yeah, helpful or constructively critical way. Yeah. Or with, yeah, care. It's just fucking mean. Oh, yeah. it's just mean. Yeah. And I've had it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. Can I also say that Blanche and Ham are not like old people. They're getting older. But I would say for Ham, at your age, not as many opportunities to get down with like a beautiful woman. Yeah. He really should have just been like, you know what? Even if she sucked back then. Or didn't suck back then. Hey. Hello. <laughs> that. <laughs> take it. That. Yeah. Take the win. At least lay down in bed with a nice lady. Crap. <laughs> That feels good. And it's Blanche, for God's sake. You know something's, he, she's going to talk him into some stuff. It's going to be great. <laughs> and, and, I mean, he should have just done it to be like, oh my God, I was, yeah, you got better. Yeah. And if it's bad, I'm sorry, for a man, how bad does bad get? You're still doing the thing. For women, it's very different. It's like, oh, that was terrible. And here's why. But for men, it's like, that did the job. I mean, obviously, it can be better or worse, but I think the scale of greatness for men is like a one to three. And for, <laughs> yeah. and for women, it's like a one to 20. Yeah. Like he was a 12 because he had all this going on or he was a four because of that. Like, and for guys, it's like she just laid there. It was a one. She went wild on me. Well, three. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, she was you wouldn't even believe all the stuff. And it's like, that's a three. <laughs> And it's just like, there's not, yeah, there's like, there's really, there's only so many things. Right. There's a few, there's a several acts. Limited sensations. And configs. <laughs> yeah. In my eyes anyways. Otherwise, you're talking about a lot of work. Yeah. A lot of like rigging and <laughs> purchases. We don't need any sticks or uh, rubber butts or anything. Oh my God. Rubber butts. <laughs> I don't know. 
Sticks. <laughs> Sex sticks. <laughs> As you hold in that cough. Yep. Sex sticks. Wes. <laughs> Sometimes we long for the things we missed out on. The crush we never got to kiss, the place we never got to visit, the aliens we were never abducted by. But what I learned from the girls today was not to dwell on those things as they might come back around. I had a major crush on a boy in eighth grade. We sort of went on a date and then life happened. We grew apart. Then 20 years later, we crossed paths, reconnected and even dated for a while. Of course, we broke up, but I learned a lot from the relationship and I was glad to have known what could have been. Sometimes, though, the what could have been shouldn't have been. So it wasn't. And that's okay too. So even if you are wanting to be taken away by the aliens, it might be for the best that you aren't. As always, thank you for listening and thank you for being a friend. Be sure to join us next week when we venture to St. Olaf in Yokel Hero. <laughs> to Mark Hump. Hum Lajbum. She claims, because she's apparently my owned grant owned. Owned. <laughs> that habit of his is why he's a single man. Ma'am. Ma'am. <laughs> and she'd feign shock as she looked over her scorecard and as she Hello? Abundagas! <laughs> is that somebody's name? That's a soup. It's like a I know you're saying it like you're calling a dog. Abundagus, get over oh, here. That would be a fun dog name. I think she she wanted to put like <laughs> knuckles and stuff in it. <laughs> Some sort of bone, but I was like. No, thank no, you. No, no, grandma. <laughs> I won't eat that. To that I say no, thank never you. never get the taste out of my mouth. Just nothing but <laughs> nothing but diet knuckle. seven up and knuckle juice. <laughs> it's a deconstruction of the myth of the Old West. That's right. The outlaw as a hero when in fact, dangerous psychopaths. <laughs> And not the fun kind of parties. People parties. Not what I mean. One person. Thank you. I'm an alien. I'm an alien boy. I'm so strong. That's my Superman impersonation. <laughs> Hello, it's Superman. Are you afraid? Dude. Are you a bad boy? Because I'm a good boy. You don't, yeah, brush and floss the teeth you want to keep, everybody. Yeah. Those are the ones you should floss and brush because otherwise <laughs> yeah, they turn into little corn nuts and fall out. Spicy. <laughs> it was like well, no, a three. Dirty grandpa. No, I know. Oh, okay. But we weren't going to like tell that joke. So no. That's why I was moving on. I from know. It. Now we have to edit this. <laughs> Priest man or man who falls through floor. It's not good. And I think there's like a there's like an alien looking monster that comes out of a person's head or something. <clears throat> In that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. Dear diary, I'm so mad. <laughs> the end. <laughs> it says that every day. <laughs> After Rose picks her jaw off the floor. <laughs> I'm scared. I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> like a weird couple, I think. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, we're bizarre. Yeah. Literally, my mom, my mom was writing me yesterday. She's like, "Oh, we watched The Good Nurse. It was so great. We loved it." And she's like, "Well, what should we watch tonight?" And I literally started going through the list of things we've watched recently. <laughs> I'm like, "Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Absolutely not." 
And then I was like, um, okay, Abbott Elementary <laughs> lingo. But yeah, I was just like, no, <laughs> you can't watch men. You can't watch Barbarian. <laughs> We're talking about Walter. Table, she stands up. She stands up. <laughs> but you are, Blanche. <laughs> yeah, that was like a hot dog burp. Oh. Should we make our own soup? Hello? <laughs> what? <laughs> what, are you, what are you saying? The show. Oh, oh, okay. I thought you were trying to get me horny about clam chowder. <laughs> or Arbor whatever you said earlier. Arbor Darber? That your grandma makes. Abundagus. Yeah. <laughs> Arbor Darber. Abundagus. I'm horny to eat this. Yeah, I've seen videos of like people like uh like kind of carving hot cheese off of a block onto like you know, have you seen those? <laughs> yes. That hot cheese slicer. <laughs> I don't know what's going on there. But I like it a Makes lot. Makes you feel things. Yeah. Hungry. <laughs> Horngry. Oh. Yes, hello. Um, <laughs> I was abducted and they put it in me and I put it in them. Oh. We actually go to St. Olaf in the... in the. I can't say. Oh my God. Wow. <laughs> I mean, uh, a flashback episode. I didn't mean no. tease. Have I lost my mind? Hello? <laughs> Is this toast calling me? Because I can smell you. Ow. Bye. Are we done? Yeah. Bye. Always Be My Sisters is written, hosted, and created by Alicia Holland. Produced and edited by Josh McCullough. Always Be My Sisters is a Cascade Media production. You'll always be my sisters.